from time to time, I get this prophetic anointing. And to be very honest with you, I hate it. Do you know why? Because when you have a prophetic anointing, you just know that you know that you know. And some of the things that you know that you know that you know, we wish you didn't know. You understand? And then you've got to blab it. And the sad truth is, well, the facts are, that when you speak under that anointing, what you say has got a horrible habit of coming true. You understand? So it's with great, how shall I say, awe that I approached this word this morning, which God planted in my heart some time back. But anyway, let's get to the word, and I'll explain what we're going to be talking about, which I know God's put in my heart for today. Let's go to Genesis chapter 19, the book of beginnings, and we're going to read this well-known part of scripture, sort of lead up to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm not going to read the whole context yet, we'll talk about it, but I just want to read from verse 12. It's Genesis chapter 19 from verse 12. Just to give you the background, Sodom and Gomorrah was in a mess, God was angry, they're going to wipe it out. Abraham tried to convince him not to do it, and Lot was there, and the Lord said, no, we're going to wipe it out. And he sent two angels. Very interesting. He sent two angels to get Lot out of the out of this place. Now, just bear in mind, this place is about to be destroyed, wiped out completely, flattened. All right. God, in His great mercy, because of Abraham, wants to rescue his relative Lot. Okay. So two angels pitch up in this place. Right. They've already chatted to Abraham, but they come. Then the men said to Lot. Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please know, my lords, indeed now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me, and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee to. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow the city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. Just bear that in mind. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heavens. So he overthrew these cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back 
behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Let's just turn to the New Testament. Let's go to Jude. The book of Jude is the last book just before Revelation. And I don't say what chapter because Jude is only one chapter. So it obviously is Jude chapter 1. And I'm just going to read a few verses. Verse 20 to 25. Jude. Just before Revelation. Right? Listen to this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Yeshua, the Anointed One, unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by their flesh. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your precious word. Through you placed on my heart, by your grace, May it be presented as you would want it to be presented, Lord, that we might be educated, that we might be prepared, that we might be ready. In the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. Praise God. Now, what I want to just share with us is this. And I don't really have to say it. The world in which we live is in desperate, desperate straits. All right? Things are not looking good. Can I just say something? Unless the men of God who know better get their act together, right? Terrible things are going to come upon the world. And don't think because we're sitting here prettily in South Africa without lights that we are going to be protected from it. As they say, if America sneezes in South Africa, we get pneumonia. Just a saying that's out there. But it's not just America, it's the whole world. And when I say, unless the men of God get their act together, I'm not pointing at some random prophets over there and over there. I'm looking at myself as well as others. Amen? There's only one hope and it's got to be done. But if it doesn't get done, things are not going to be rosy. All right? Sorry. You should have stayed at home. You should have stayed at home in bed rather than come and listen to this. I feel the same way. <laughs> you can't run away. You can't not go to I know. It's like the wife pushes the husband and says, you better get up now. He says, no, I don't want to. And then she says, no, you've got to go to church. He said, I don't want to. She says, but you have to. You're the pastor. <laughs> anyway, but the point I'm trying to make is, you see, Let's be honest, the whole setup's going to hell in a basket. And it's not going to be pleasant. All right. But I don't want to be dwelling on the negativity of it all. The issue is what are you and I supposed to do about it? Amen. We've got to know. We've got to be informed. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, will lead us into all truth. He will show us things to come. Amen. He will show us things to come. We need to have our ear open to listen to what's going to come and we need to be prepared so we're not caught flat-footed, so to speak. And that's what this is about. I'll be very honest. I spend a lot of time waiting on God. Janet will tell you, a lot of time, night and day, waiting on God. Why? God says you need to be ready. You need to be ready. People are going to need your help. Amen? So anyway, apart from that, you and I need to be aware of what God expects of us. Now, 
You want to know the title of this message, and it is very simply this. The Zohar anointing. The Zohar anointing. Now, please, you won't find that in the Bible. It's a title. I'm giving it, and I'm going to explain why. All right? Just understand the situation here. We've got God looking at Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, please, dear God, what they were getting up to there was horrific, if you read the story beforehand. I don't even want to go there. It's almost as bad as what's happening in our world today. Almost, not quite. And it was shocking then. But now, please note something. Don't get the idea that God's now going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed itself. Do we all grasp that? God had to do what God had to do because that's the system. But anyway, in God's grace, he wants to preserve whoever's righteous there. And remember, Abram went through this whole business of from 50 right down to 10. He couldn't find 10 righteous people. But Abram did have relatives there, Lot and his family. In his grace, God sends two angels, no two, we'll get back to that, to go and rescue them. All right? To go and rescue them. Fast forward from there to our century. We're in a situation now where just about God's judgment is going to fall. All right? And it's not going to be pretty. And we mustn't blame God because it's not God. It's mankind bringing this on ourselves. On ourselves. You understand? It's the way the system works. And God in his mercy has warned and warned and warned people. But you see, we find ourselves now in this position. What does God expect from us? All right? And as that scripture mentioned in Jude, our job is to rescue who we can from the fire. Amen? Rescue who we can from the fire. Now, Let's go back to this whole story with Sodom and Gomorrah. Note something. Lot goes to his relatives, all right, and he tells them what's going to happen. What do they do? They think it's a big joke. They think it's a big joke. Oh, hell, I want to go to hell because all my friends are there. Ha, ha, ha. Sort of thing. I had a vision, actually that ties up with this, the one son-in-law. I saw a picture of him. Now, I'm not saying this is how he looked, but this was the vision that God gave me. He was quite a tall individual, a bit gawky, all right? And he was having a part. He was busy in a part. He had a sort of like garland around him. You know, he was having a good time. He was, he was like a party animal. Let's put it that way, all right? You all understand his nose is a bit red because he had a lot to drink. And he's having a wonderful time. There. He's got a stupid party hat on his head. A real sight. And his father-in-law comes and says, listen, things are going to be destroyed. <laughs> good one. Good one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really good. That's really good. Well done. They even said to Lot, the other people, before, and they said, who do you think you are to come and judge us? Can you see? Does this ring familiar here with us? Oh, very funny, you know. Oh, the world's going to come to an end. Are you one of those fanatics? I mean, this idiot standing there laughing his head off, laughing at his father-in-law, taking no notice, carried on into destruction. When fire and brimstone fell, that funny hat of his got squashed into his head and he was done for. That's what I saw, strangely enough. 
But pick up the spirit of it. Now, you see, you and I have a responsibility to save people from the fire. But you'll notice in that scripture, in Jude it says, using discretion. Right? Can you see, it says, save who you can. Now the point I need to make is, please realize something, some people won't come. Has everybody found that out? Anybody have found that out? We've got to realize some people are going to say, ha, ha, ha. All right? And the message is, we haven't got time to waste. All right? Sad as it is, we must move on and find those who are. Amen? Find those who realize they need help. Okay? But the other thing I need to express is this. Don't think that people who need the help are going to willingly leave. Do you know how strong the hold of the world is on people? Have you noticed? The man's killing himself with alcohol. You'd think simple intelligence would say, leave it alone. Or drugs, even worse. I've had stories where people at school, they had an ex-drug addict come out and speak to them about the dangers, the horrors, the horrors of it. How they lost their nose, the terrible things that happened to them. And here this young man has got a whole lot of dache stashed in his blazer pockets. And he's listening to this. <laughs> Do you understand? The hold that things got on him is not easily got rid of. Look at Lot. Did he say, we better get out of here. Family, let's go. The angels had to basically take him, his wife and their children, two daughters, by the hands and say, let's get out of here. Can you see that? They had to pull them away. People won't just willingly say, oh, we'll just give it up. No, no, it's a battle. We're fighting a battle to rescue the souls of man. Amen. And even then, now notice, this is why I speak about the Zohar anointing. They're coming out of the city. Now here's the problem. You see, for a lot of people, the jump from where they are to where God wants them is very often a bridge too far. Amen? A bridge too far. In many people's thinking, this church is a bridge too far. Amen? You understand? Sometimes the things God has for people is a bridge too far in their thinking. You see? Lot's immediate reaction was, if we go and live out there in a cave, which he ended up in eventually, by the way, we're done for. I mean, how ridiculous is that? I might live in a cave and I might die in a cave. Well, if you don't go, you're going to die where you are. <laughs> you understand? But you see, the mind is so capable of being blinded. But God in His grace, what did He do? He said, okay, alright, there's a halfway point for you. You understand? There's this little village called Zoar. I'll spare the village for your sake. Just rest up there. Amen? Now, when I speak about the Zoar anointing, there's a few things we've got to realize. In a sense, that's what you and I have got to be in this world. That's what the function we have got to perform. In a sense, be a halfway station for people to escape to. Amen? Now, there's a few things I need to say about the Zohar. First of all, the actual word means small, insignificant. 
I mean, insignificant. You see, something that is seemingly insignificant becomes the key to deliverance. Amen? Something seemingly insignificant is the key to deliverance. It makes you think of the little servant girl who was captured by Syria, and she's in Naaman's household. Seemingly insignificant. Naaman, as you know, had leprosy. There was no hope for him, even though he was number two in the nation. Politically, militarily, he was it. He had everything except he had leprosy. Something seemingly insignificant. A captured slave girl. Amen? Told him there's a prophet in Israel. And through that he got his healing. Alright? Something seemingly insignificant. Now you and I might be something we think is insignificant. Working in a big company or wherever, at a school or wherever. Seemingly insignificant. Alright? But you see, it's God's nature to use what seems insignificant to do the great things. Can you see that? Lot and his descendants, and there were many of them, mighty nations came out of Lot, if you read the Bible. All those nations were saved because of one village, whose name means insignificant. Could it be clearer than that? <laughs> All right. The other meaning attached to that, not the name, but the circumstances, is a place of refuge. Amen? A place of refuge. I hope we can tie this up. You see, you and I have this responsibility. In this whole scenario that we find ourselves in, even though to our own minds we might feel insignificant, we have a role to play. Amen? In that insignificance, all the same of being a place of refuge. Amen? Being a place of refuge. Something that people can hold on to in the face of the terrible, terrible onslaught that is coming. I have to say that again. That is coming. That is coming. Unless we get our act together. But anyway, now, I want us to grasp something, you see. We are potentially a place of refuge. All right? There's another aspect to this whole thing that we've got to grasp. And that refuge is transient. What do I mean by transient? Temporary. Temporary. You understand? Lot and his family were saved in that place of refuge. But eventually, even that place of refuge was destroyed. They had to move on. All right? They had to move on. Let me explain the significance in that for you and I. You see, our job is to rescue people, but not to hold on to them. Amen? We should see ourselves as a stepping stone for people to go to where God wants them to actually be. Can you see that? If they had said, no, this Zohar is a nice little place, nice quaint little village, what would have happened? They would have been wiped out anyway. Do you understand? They had to go to their final destination. You and I are not God. Amen? 
We are not God. We try and be God to people. They can end up being stuck with us and not move on to their great calling. Does everybody grasp that? You see, we are a place of refuge, yes, but we're not the final destination. We don't want people following us. We want to help them be rescued, to be released to follow Him. Amen? Even though in their condition they can't see Him. You get that? If you've lived in the world and your mind is totally consumed with the world system, to believe in a God you cannot see is a very difficult stretch. Only the Holy Spirit can help you with that. Can you see that? So what do we expect? The person who's battling in the office to, to jump from there to become the Pope. God forbid, but, but you know what I'm saying. To expect people to come from there and to suddenly be mighty Christians for God. Hmm? It's a big stretch, isn't it? It has happened, but it's not the norm. What's got to happen? Zohar. Can you see that? Zohar. The Zohar anointing. That place of protection. As individuals, as families, and as churches. Amen? Can you see that? As individuals, one-to-one, you need to, and I need to, be to the people that we rub shoulders with a place of safety. Even though we may not be the general manager of the company or the owner, you understand? Or the best sales rep or whatever it is, even though we might not be in that great league in the company's hierarchy, we might seemingly be insignificant in the school, in the society, wherever we might find ourselves, but we need to be a place of refuge, a place where people can come to and just find security in the troubled times in which we live. Amen? Is everybody with me so far? All right. Now, how do we become that? This is really important. How do we become that? You see, if I'm drowning, can I help another drowning man? Can I? Yep. Haley, could you help somebody if you yourself are drowning? Help, I'm drowning. Haley, save me. Help, I'm drowning. Graham, save me. We're not helping each other. You understand? You see, for you and I to be a place of safety, we have to be that. There's a few requirements I just need to touch on. It's nothing that we don't know. Nothing that we don't know. Number one, we need to be secure in our connection with the living God. I'm sure that's common sense. All right? We need to know God. We need to have heard God. Lot had heard God. Amen? But you see, even though he'd heard God, he needed angels who had a connection with Almighty God to help him. Amen? You need to be people that are continually in touch with the living God. I work on that daily, I'll be very honest with you, trying to get better at it all the time. But we need to be people that are continually developing our connection with the living God. Amen. Other thing that we need to do is develop our faith. We have to get our faith into gear. Amen. And please, don't think, oh, well, Graham talking about faith again, like that clown at the party, ha, 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 wearing the stupid hat. 
We've had that, I tell you what. Listen, I'm not talking about wishy-washy faith in the sense of, oh, we know God's alive, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about faith that can translate stones into bread or bread from heaven. Amen? Bring healing out of nothing. In the medical aid and medical system has totally collapsed or priced itself out of any possible access by any human being except for the ultra-rich. What's the alternative? What's going to be the alternative? And let me say it, when sickness and plague sweeps the earth, plague that makes COVID look like a complete picnic, child's picnic, what are we going to do? Amen? We've got to have the answer. We've got to get our faith into gear. We have to. We don't have an alternative. Amen? There's no food. Come and eat with us. They come here and they see there's no food. <laughs> We've got no food at home. I see you in the same boat. We say, just hold on. Close your eyes. <laughs> Heavenly Father, <laughs> take this little garlic roll I've got in my... <laughs> Oh, they don't take garlic. We've got one that isn't food for everybody. Amen. And fish. I wonder if God does chips. <laughs> Are we allowed to be fussy with God? I like Inkler, but let's have a few prawns. Lord, thank you. We'll have a lobster now and then. We laugh. But let me tell you, it seems like so unheard of. But it's in the Bible, is it not? The Lord demonstrated this to us, did he not? And he said, these things you will do, and greater. What's greater than feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves? You know what I think greater is? A banquet. Steak, egg, and chips. A mixed grill for anybody who comes. But you understand, it sounds unreal. In the natural mind, it is unreal. But we've got to grasp these things. We don't have a choice. We don't have a choice, church. We don't have a choice. So we've got to get our faith up there. And it's expensive to do. And I'm glad to see that it's working in our midst. But you see, once again, if we are starving ourselves, can we help other people? Can we? If we're dying off from sickness, can we pray for anybody else? Hmm? These are hard truths. Let me tell you, I don't want to hear this myself. I wish I just stayed in bed and just, you know what, cancelled the service. God spoke, but so what? <laughs> Amen? Dear God, why me, Lord? But anyway, that's how it is. Now, the last thing I just want to say is this. You'll notice something. And this struck me for the first time when I read the scripture again. Now, I knew about it, but a dimension struck me. God sent to Sodom and Gomorrah, he sent how many angels? Two. Why did he send two? Surely one is enough. Do you know that one angel destroyed 185,000 trained warriors overnight? It's in the Bible. So if one angel can just destroy all of those people in just one night, why send two? Why send two? 
Now, I know they were fooled in the age to grab a hand here and then. Yes, I understand that. But why sin too? And the Lord showed me. You know what? They were going into a very evil setup there, those two angels. They needed to. So one can do something, the other one can watch his back. You understand? Somebody can just watch his back. Angels, yes, in that evil situation, somebody could watch his back. How did the Lord send his disciples out? Can I ask you? Two by two. God operates in teams. Did you know that? God operates in teams. And the thing that God wanted me to say, in this situation that's coming, and he wanted me to repeat this twice, so for your sake, Lord, I'm going to say it three times. Amen? I'll show you in my journal. I've got the... Know your covenant partners. Amen? Know who your covenant partners are. Amen? And for the Lord's blessing, know who your covenant partners are. You got it. You will not do it on your own. You and I will not survive on our own. Neither will we survive, by the way, with a whole heap of hangers-on. Amen? We're talking about covenant partners. Those angels were there. They were watching out. In this evil situation, if you read the story, it's horrific what the people of Sodom and Gomorrah wanted to do to those angels. It's horrific. And what they wanted to do to Lot, because Lot wouldn't let them get hold of the angels. They actually, when they wanted to destroy Lot, the whole town came to destroy it, because they wanted the angels. The angels reached out, hauled Lot in, and struck the whole lot with blindness. Serious stuff, this. Serious, serious stuff. Amen? So, brothers and sisters... You know, like I say, I hate to say these things because I know they're going to happen. There was a time I stood right where I am and I said things are going to get worse. And that's just before COVID struck a few of us. Just before. Up till then we'd been free from it. We all remember those times we went through. Amen? And I didn't have that in my brain, I can tell you that. I didn't have a cooking clue what I was saying. But you see, God warns us why to prepare us. We don't have to be afraid. That's the whole point. But it's not a case of just going around saying, oh, well, you know, let's just mahan on, as they say. We have to take the necessary precautions. Exactly the same pattern with the whole story of Noah. You all know about it. Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Okay, it's all going to be fine. And Noah told them, it's not going to be fine. It's not going to be fine. And what did they do to Noah? This clown building an ark in the desert. It's like us building an ocean-going line here in Pretoria. Where are you going with your ocean-going line? I mean, the sea happens to be at least three or 4,000 kilometers away. And we turn around and say to everybody, don't worry, the sea is coming to us. 
What would the people do then? Party hat, Khan on, ah ha ha, you're a fool. But we aren't. He isn't. Do you understand? You see, when I was at university, and you must understand something, I came from a very troubled political situation in the old days. I mean, this has been going on for decades, this whole thing. It's been winding up for this same agency I saw there destroying the country. I saw it with my own eyes. I could see this deception and lies and manipulation of the media and of everything just to destroy a beautiful country and the countries before me. And just moved down, as we know, down Africa. This whole thing is a big plan. Did you know that? Oh, are you into conspiracy? Yes, I am, because I've got a few brain cells. Anybody with any intelligence can see it. You understand? But at an early age, I realized something. Do you know what I realized? As much as I would have liked to have followed a profession, had a nice cozy home and a family, and just lived comfortably, I realized the way things were going, it was not going to happen. I couldn't do that. Something had to be done. Something had to be done. Amen? And I fought in a war which we lost. And once again I realized this is not going to work out. I can't just have a business and just carry on because what's happening all the time? Underneath, everything just being eroded. Do you understand? And so you're building your little kingdom there, but underneath everything's being eroded. And eventually what happens? People in Rhodesia, as it were, I can tell you now, overnight lost their entire life savings. Their pension became worthless, overnight almost. You see? I saw these things happening. I realized you can't just, I'm not against having a job and working and having a family. I'm not against those things. Please don't get me wrong. But we've got to understand, the times we're living in are not normal. They're not normal. Do I have to say that? Do I have to say that? You see, in the natural human reaction, is oh, well, let me just cling to what I've got and just protect myself, you see, and just, you'll get swept away anyway. Amen? Just get swept away. We've got to have something more. That's when I started to tap into God and I realized there's a bigger plan. There's a bigger plan. We have the power. It's in our hands. We can change it. We can. We can make a difference. The word of God, as I've said before, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a, a standard. Raise up a standard. In other words, turn the tables on this thing. It's possible. It's possible. And I love to read about Isaiah when he perceives in the heavens the gods talking about this. When I say God's it's Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they say we've got a problem on earth. We need to do something about it. And Isaiah picks that up in his spirit and he says to the Godhead, Here am I. Here am I. Send me. Do you understand? He made himself available. He didn't close his eyes and say, oh, well, not my problem. Amen? ESCOM's not my problem. I understand greater brains than mine are working on the problem. <laughs> you see, and that's true in a way, but you see, we can't spend our whole life just saying, oh, well, 
lost my eight. You understand the mentality? Somebody else will solve the problem. We've got a responsibility. And can I just say, for you and I sitting here, the greatest responsibility right now is that Zohar anointing. Be a place of refuge. Amen. Seemingly insignificant, yes, and maybe temporary, yes, but be the place of safety that the people in your families and in our community and in our places of business so desperately, desperately need. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Our Lord, help us, we pray. It's not our choice that we find ourselves in this day and in this age. Many of us, I think, would rather go back a few generations. But every generation has had its problems, and it's just different. But we have a responsibility. My prayer this morning is that we would understand our responsibility, not be blind, that we won't just hide away, we won't be afraid, but we'll be equipped, Lord, to make a difference, to make a difference, to be that place of safety, to be a Zohar village, as it were, to those that are escaping, a place where they can find the right direction the temporary relief, as it were, that they need, a stepping stone on their way to you, Lord, and to your great kingdom, which is coming back, where there will be peace, joy, security, prosperity, happiness, and all these wonderful things that we look forward to. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen.